Welcome back to the Built for Playmakers podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin Hunt, editor of ChopChat.com. Hope you guys are doing well. First time listeners, welcome. Those of you that have been rocking with me for a while, I appreciate you tuning back in. Man, the season is already over. It seems like I was just waiting all day before the Notre Dame game uh, for kickoff, you know, just uh, anticipating how the season was going to go. You know, just wondering, you know, how the team was going to look with a full off season. And, um, man, it feels like I blinked and the season is over. Although there were parts of the year that felt like the season was going to last an eternity uh, with the 0-4 start. And, um, man, what, what a season. So... Um, what what I want to do is kind of um, just talk about the the program in general, um, offense, defense, special teams, um, just kind of a, a an overview of the season, um, things that you know that you know that I saw, um, positives, negatives, as well as um, you know what's next. Um, the next um, the next few couple of weeks are going to be really big for the program. And, um, you know, it's, um, it's an exciting time considering where we were just a few weeks ago. Um, but before I get into that, um, definitely want to shout out our sponsor, um, bet online. So those of you that are into, uh, gambling, uh, make sure you head over to the new updated desktop or mo- mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code believe 50. That's B-L-E-A-V-50 to receive your bonus. And you, um, man, you you had to like your chances with FSU um, in that Florida game. Um, you know, it would have been the third uh, consecutive game that they could have won as an outright, outright um, betting underdog. And, you know, they, um, they had their chances. And um, I don't know, man, it seemed like they kind of just came out flat. And then, of course, you know, whenever um, Jordan Travis came out of the game, you know, it felt like the, the team kind of reverted back to, you know, earlier in the year when it's like, you know, they just they just knew they had no hope of, of scoring any points. And my goodness, man, the defense just just, you know, they they kept him in the game. You know, because, man, I just knew it was about to get ugly, um, especially when it didn't appear that Jordan Travis was going to get back in the game. But uh, defense, I know, man, a lot of people giving Adam Fuller crap. But, man, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of the a lot of the angst from fans have gone to the wrong coordinator the entire year. Um, you know, that that's just me. But, I mean, when you really look at everything, you know, I've, I've said it several times, the defense played well enough for the program to win, you know, at least seven games, possibly eight games, you know. But, um, you know, it is what it is. But um, when you look at the season as a whole, you know, you have some fans, you know, they just look at the record, oh, you know, they're five and seven. And, um, you know, that's no better than, you know, the previous coach and yada, 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 you know. But. You know what? What people fail to do is provide context. Um, you know, you know, wins and losses. I mean, yeah, that you know they matter for sure. But you know, um, you can look at um, Boston College. You know how I was telling everybody they were the most overrated team uh, on our schedule, 
And, you know, they started the season 4-0, and everybody's like, oh, man, you know, Jeff Hafley's got Boston College rolling, and they look good. I'm like, yeah, but, but then you look at who they played, and it's like, you know, Colgate and a, you know, a poor Missouri team, and that was with um, Boston College not playing with their starting quarterback. And, um, you know, whoever else, whoever other whack teams they were playing, you know, and I was just like, you know, you know, the schedule matters too, you know. And, um, you know, FSU played, you know, they played some some some, some good teams um, with some, some really great quarterback play, you know. So you kind of have to give t- context to everything. Not only that, you know, FSU played, you know, the equivalent of like three games with the only – quarterback option you know that that they had on the roster you know with Jordan Travis um you know if he plays in those three games you know I think FSU probably has a shot of of winning you know seven or eight games and of course you know if you listen to the podcast before you know I put the Jacksonville State loss entirely on Mike Novell and the coaching staff um mainly Dillingham because I know everybody gives uh, credit uh, crap to um, Fuller for you know the last play of the game, but at the end of the day, that's th- those tackles should be made, and there's no way in the world that an offense should be held to 17 points against Jacksonville State. You know, so those guys were out there experimenting, um, you know, not not understanding what their roster was fully capable of at the time, so that falls on them. Um, you know, and you know they got to wear it. You know, they got to wear it now. To their credit. You know, they did, you know, they did begin to kind of figure out, you know, trash the two-quarterback system, which, you know, I, I was saying at the time, you got to choose a quarterback and roll with them, play to their strengths. And ultimately, um, Jordan Travis got healthy enough to where they, you know, they you know, they could kind of roll with him. And they begin to tailor the offense to his strengths and avoiding his weaknesses and, you know, leaning on the running game. And you saw the team start to form an identity, you know, with the running game and, then you kind of saw, you know, progress, you know, from game to game. You saw kind of different game, you know, game plans. And, um, you know, when you look at um, things in, in totality and, you know, we, you know, I always use uh, advanced metrics and you look at where the offense um, finished last year and at the end of 2020, they were ranked 95th in the nation. 95th. And so going into going into the Florida game, um, the FSU offense um, was uh, ranked 39th. And the Florida game probably – it's probably not going to change, you know, give or take uh, a couple of spots. So, um, you know, the, the, those, um, those stats haven't been updated yet. Usually they're updated on Wednesday, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, and I didn't want to wait that late to record. But, I mean, that's a huge – that's a huge improvement. Um, from 95th, you know, from 95th to, to 39. And then whenever you're looking at, you know, the defense, the defense um, went from 108, went from 108 last year, 2020, to um, before the, the Florida game, they were 41st. And after that, after that performance, they probably cracked the top 40. Um, you know, holding Florida to to 24 points, and um, man, I, I think it was uh, less than um, five yards per play. I think it was, um, which you know, that's less points than um, than Alabama held um, Florida. 
you know, so you saw the offensive improvement. Um, and that, and again, those numbers are without Jordan Travis for, for three games. And, you know, when you look at um, what he has to work with, you know, the offensive line, you know, was, you know, was banged up whenever, whenever they were, were healthy, you know, they were a solid unit, you know, definitely improved, but uh, I don't think enough credit goes to those offensive linemen, man, Dylan Gibbons, um, you know, he played it almost entire year hurt. Um, Mari Smith and a lot of people were giving him crap, you know, and he, you know, he, he fought through um, a back injury just to get out there um, and try to, you know, try to, you know, give the teams a lift because, because he knew that, you know, he was the best option, even though he was limited, um, you know, um, you know, DLT, you know, he wasn't what he was last year, but, you know, he tried his best to give it a go. I mean, all, all those guys at some point or another uh, dealt with a lot of different injuries, you know. So, you know, I definitely want to give those guys credit, even though, you know, they struggled um, throughout the year, especially as the injuries began to mount up and, you know, they just didn't have any depth um, to tap into to, um, to avoid a huge drop-off from the starters. But, you know, but when you look across the offense – you say, man, they had a top a top forty offense, and how many guys on the offense would you say would you know if they declared for the NFL draft would be drafted in the upcoming draft? How many? Right. I mean, the running back unit, you know, those guys are good players, but you know they're not like super super elite guys. You know, they're good serviceable guys. Um, and, you know, and with a good offense and everything, you know, they, they can make plays, but they're not difference makers like, say, um, a Dalvin Cook or something like that. Well, there's not many Dalvin Cooks, but you know what I mean. Wide receivers, I mean, you know, I mean, you just didn't have anything to work with out there. And then, you know, uh, Jordan Travis, uh, I have to give credit to him. Um, he did show some improvement um, as a passer. Um, you know, when you look back at the Notre Dame game and then look at um, how he progressed from, say, the UNC game, um, you know, to, um, you know, Boston College when they were throwing the ball 30, 30 plus times, you know, a game, you know, even even against Florida, you know, he made some throws that, you know, he wasn't making um, later in the year. So, you know, the biggest thing with him is just staying healthy, um, you know, so credit to him. Um, you know, tight ends, you know, you kind of you kind of have what you have. But, you know, you got to think about it this way. You know, FSU has a top 40 offense with arguably no NFL-type players on on that side of the ball. I mean, I'm talking about right now. Malik McLean could eventually, you know, develop and, and turn into um, a player. And, and I told you guys before the season, everybody was like Malik McLean, you know, blah, 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 blah. I told you, it is very, very, very difficult for a true freshman, even if he is an early enrollee, to come in and make an impact. And, um, you know, he definitely flashed um, a couple times this year, but it's just difficult to have the consistency um, as a true freshman. You, you know, you're, you're still trying to, you know, learn the offense. Uh, physically, you're, you know, you're trying to battle against guys that are older and stronger. Um, you know, obviously you're playing with a quarterback who's kind of inconsistent um, at times. Um, you know, so there were a lot of factors there. So I wasn't really counting on McLean to come in and just, you know, blow the roof off of everything. 
But um, I thought I thought that was really I thought that was really impressive um, for the coaching staff to be able to have an offense to improve that much with, um, you know, with, you know, I mean, let's just face it, it's just a limited amount of talent, um, you know, on that side of the ball. And you know, when you look at the defensive side of things, um, you know, what I saw was, you know, earlier in the year, um, well, say the Notre Dame game. You know, guys were in position to make plays, one-on-one um, -on -one plays, and they just were not making them. And then you had a couple of injuries here or there. You had a bunch of guys, you know, playing different positions in the secondary. And, you know, whenever you're playing multiple positions and playing multiple guys, it's hard to kind of get that chemistry. Um, whenever you're, you know, having to communicate so much and understanding where, you know, guys are going to be and what their, their roles are in particular um, instances. And um, once – they figured out where to put um, Jamie Robinson, um, which I think was probably around the Louisville game, somewhere in there. You saw that defense kind of begin to settle down. And, um, you know, then they kind of just, you know, kind of took off from there. The other thing they helped too was the offense stopped turning the ball over, you know, all the time. They had 13 turnovers through the first five games. You know, I don't, like I said, when I, I wrote the piece on Chop Chat the other day, I don't care how good your defense is. If you're having to, to consistently defend short fields, you're going to give up points. And nobody looks at, you know, oh, well, they only, they got the ball on their side of the field at the 30. Um, you know, they just look at, oh, they gave up, you know, 35 points, um, you know, without any context. But you saw whenever the offense stopped turning the ball over, um, you saw that they had believed that the offense could score points and keep them in games. You, you saw a different defense out there, and that and that was a defense we we hadn't seen. You know, just uh, just a physicality standpoint, um, just creating turnovers. Um, you know, sudden you know sudden change defense. You know, after the offense turned the ball over, they didn't automatically just give up touchdowns. Um, they made teams work for and or at least held them to field goals um, the majority of the time. You know, you're talking about going from, you know, you're talking about going from, what was it again, um, 108 to top 40. And, and then you look at how many NFL players are on that team on the defensive side of the ball. Definitely Jermaine Johnson. You know, definitely, he, you know, he's going to be day one, day two at worst draft pick. You know, Keir Thomas may have worked himself into a late-round draft pick or undrafted free agent. Um, Robert Cooper is probably an undrafted free agent. Um, I think Fabian Lovett probably gets drafted at some point. You know, the strength was in the defensive line, and a lot of people still kind of I, – I, I can't understand it. You know, they were like, well, Adam Fuller is only improving because the defensive line is good. Well, I mean, that's that's any coach. <laughs> that's any coach. You know, a good defensive coordinator understands what the strengths and weaknesses of the defense are, then tailors them them to that. So he knows, you know, that the the weaknesses of the defense are the linebackers and the secondary, right? So he's like, okay, I'm going to use my front four to get pressure, you know, and hopefully that'll cover up a lot of the defenses, deficiencies a linebacker in secondary. And that's what happened. You know, he, he turned Jermaine Johnson loose, Keir Thomas loose, um, you know, Lovett, Cooper, you know, even Malcolm Bray and Jarrett Jackson, you know, those guys, 
Um, you know, they, they wreaked havoc on the inside. And, um, you know, that, that's what a good coordinator does. He coordinates the defense. You know, one thing one thing I would like to see um, improve, obviously, you know, are the um, the third down conversions. Um, they did improve. They went from 46% allowed last year to 41% allowed this year. Um, there were still too many conversions, but um, I wish I had a way to to track it. And if you and if you had to look at every third down a day they allowed to be converted this year, how many of them had players in position to make a play? and the players just didn't make a play. You know, they either lost a one-on-one -on -one battle, you know, they lost, um, you know, the 50-50 balls, or they just missed a tackle. Um, you know, I mean, look at the third and 21. You had two guys with the sideline there against Florida, and they both missed a tackle. I mean, you can't – that is not that is not on coaching. That is the guys just not making a play. You know, you can't go out there. You can practice tackling forever. Um, but, you know, if the guy just can't make the play in the game, just don't make the play in the game, you know. So, um, and so a lot of people, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, whenever the defense is going to lose a lot of the guys on the defensive line, uh, and they are, they probably are, you know. And so it's the coach's job to um, understand those needs and go out and find, find guys to replace them. You know, that's something you got to do every year. Um, but you got to look at it and say, okay, well, the the staff understood that the there was a weakness on the defensive line last year, and so they went out and got players like Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas. They knew they needed help in the secondary. They got Jamie Robinson. So I mean that's a you know that's something you got to do every year regardless. Um, will they go out and find another Jamie you know Jermaine Johnson? Who knows? Probably not. But you know you have to give them the opportunity to um, address those needs and then kind of go from there. But um, you know, even with the loss of those guys, you know, you saw development, um, you know, from, you know, the, the Malcolm Rays, you know, going, going into the season, um, you know, you had no idea what to expect from, Mal you know, Malcolm Ray. You didn't know what you were going to get from Jermaine Johnson or Keir Thomas. Keir Thomas didn't practice for the majority of, you know, the, the spring and, and the summer um, because he was dealing with, you know, with injuries. You know, you kind of knew what you were going to get with um, with Jamie Robinson because he had production from South Carolina. But, you know, um, whenever you look at what Jermaine Johnson did at Georgia, it was in a very limited role. And, um, you know, Keir Thomas, you know, like I said, you, you knew he, he could play, but you just didn't know what he was going to bring because he hardly ever was at practice. Um, you know, so a lot of people talking about the, the defense underperformed or they didn't meet expectations. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Nobody expected the defense to, to be a top 50 defense, you know, or to be a top 25 defense in the preseason. Nobody did, you know. And so, you know, that's – I don't know where that came from, talking about, you know, they um, they underperformed or whatever, um, because everybody was saying the same thing. You just didn't know what you were going to get from the defense. Um, so to see those guys improve from, you know, 108 to top 40, I mean, I think that's a credit to um, the coaching staff. You, you saw Kalen Deloach improve immensely. Um, you saw DJ Lundy. I mean, he has his limitations as a linebacker, but I tweeted it um, Sunday night. Both of those guys combined for 69 tackles each. 69 tackles. And you're talking about guys that had very little experience going into the year and a lot of question marks, you know. Those are two guys you can build around moving forward. 
you know, you saw the secondary, um, Akeem Dent, you know, that's a guy, a former high four-star, five-star in some recruiting, recruiting services. A lot of people wrote him off, you know, you, you weren't really expecting too much from him because he hadn't done anything really since he's been at FSU. And then you saw, you know, he finished with 44 tackles and four pass breakups and, you know, an interception, uh, you know, and, and, and a physicality at the safety position that, you know, we hadn't seen in a while. Um, you saw the emergence of uh, Amarian Cooper, uh, Kevin Knowles. You know, I think as a defensive coordinator, um, seeing those guys, you know, get practice reps in and improve every week and then having the confidence to, to put them in the game, I mean, he's putting Amarian Cooper in the game against Clemson. His first start is against Miami. I mean, these are crucial moments, you know, and, and Adam Fuller and those guys are not getting credit for that. And that's, you know, that's, um, you know, I, I think that's short-sighted. I mean, you got to give, you got to give the guy credit for, for understanding that, hey, I think he's ready to play and putting him in the game instead of running guys out there that, you know, are veterans that are not getting the job done, you know. So, um, you know, I don't know, I don't know what, um, you know, Adam Fuller is going to do next year. Again, it's going to depend on, um, you know, who they get from the portal, who they can bring in um, from the high school ranks. You know, they have, you know, Travis Hunter coming in, obviously Sam McCall, um, you know, obviously as long as those guys sign with FSU and, and they are expected to do so. Um, you got another guy like, you know, Tyree West, who could poss possibly play as a freshman. Um, you know, so there's, there's still a lot of moving parts with the defense, but, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see um, how things shake up, but the improvement I saw over last year was, um, you know, everything I needed to see um, for Adam Fuller to get another year and, um, you know, hopefully with that continuity and that consistency, um, the defense will continue to um, take that, that next step. You know, and really it's just, um, you know, getting off the field on third down and um, just, you know, being more consistent as far as, um, situational football you know they were pretty solid in the red zone as a, as a defense this year um that was improved i mean they pretty much improved on uh, in every statistical category um they allow less than four yards per play um as far as um rushing um the the points allowed went down from 36 to 26 um, you know so that's kind of the same improvement that we saw um in his first year where, uh, when he was at um Marshall and Memphis, you know, so, you know, obviously he was only at those places for one year. So, um, so I'm treating this 2022 season like his second year. Um, and so we'll, we'll see if we'll see, um, that continued, um, improvement, you know, but, um, basically, you know, FSU has to, has to get, um, better players. They got to get better players. And, um, you know, like I said, whenever you look at the entire roster of guys um, that that start, you know, there there are not many guys on on that roster that are going to play in the NFL. And so you got to look at it and say, okay, well, if the coaching staff is able to make these sizable improvements with with guys that are not NFL caliber players, what is going to happen whenever they are able to get, you know, a higher quality player? And you know, and so you say, well. Can they get those type of players? Well, I mean, they got in Jermaine Johnson. They, they're bringing in some 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 high four stars, a um, couple five stars. 
um, AJ Duffy, Sam McCall, um, possibly, you know, Tyree West, um, possibly, you know, Marvin Schoenner Jr., possibly Kevin Coleman. You know, those are the type of players they got to bring in to, to, to get to the next level. Um, but seeing the improvement that they have with guys that, that are not elite players, I think that's um, that's a promising sign. They definitely um, got to shore up the offensive line. You know, I've already got one um, a guy from the transfer portal and uh, bless Harris. Um, they got to address um, defensive end from the transfer portal. They got to address wide receiver from the transfer portal. Um, they got to get another quarterback from the transfer portal. Uh, love, love Jordan Travis. Um, guy's got mad heart, toughest nails. I mean, for him to leave out of that game uh, against Florida and then come back in and to play the way he did, and he took some shots when he came back in. And uh, he still stayed in the game. I give all the props to him. You know, love him, everything he, he brings to the table. But at the end of the day, as a coach, you cannot go into 2022 um, depending on him to be the starter for the entire season. It's just, it's just not going to happen. He's too injury-prone. You know, and I mean, there he did it. He did get better as far as, you know, not taking the big shots all the time, and he did stay, uh, you know, healthier this year for the most part compared to um, twenty twenty. Um, but you know, he can try to put on some size, but he just seems to have the type of frame that's not going to allow him to put on a lot of mass and bulk, um, you know, to protect him from those big shots. You know, so he has two options. He can either you know do a better job of getting down. Uh, and protecting himself when he runs, or he can, you know, develop more as a passer so he doesn't have to depend on his legs quite as much. Um, and hopefully, you know, with a better O-line and better receivers, you know, that's something that can happen. But FSU absolutely has to go uh, into the transfer portal and uh, and get a quarterback. And to to me, I'm I'm trying to get somebody that can compete with him or possibly beat him out because – you're only going to get better whenever somebody's good enough to push you to, to develop, you know. So he felt threatened by McKenzie Milton, and you saw the progress that he made this year. Um, if you don't bring in a transfer quarterback, you know, you just have A.J. Duffy coming in. You got Tate Rodemaker there. It is it is human instinct to, to relax when you, you know, when you don't feel like somebody's pushing you. You know, it just is. Um, and even, even if he is – you know, uh, a hard worker, and I believe he is, you still you still have, you know, the propensity to, to just relax. It's just like racing. You know, if you go and run out and run the 40 by yourself, you know, you're going to get a certain time. And then if you got somebody that's comparable to you or faster than you, you're going to run a, a faster time. You know, it's the, it's the same concept. Um, so that's why I remember when I was in college, they would always um, make us run the 60 whenever we had pro days. And they would always, you know, let you run a time. And, you know, everybody would run a time. And then they would pair you up with somebody that was comparable. And then you two would race. And almost every time I always, be, I always beat my previous time because I didn't want to lose to the dude beside me. And, um, you know, and that's how it's going to work with the um, with the quarterback position. You know, so um, I feel like the program's going in, uh, in, a, in, a, in the right direction. Um, you know, the players, the players seem, um, bought in, you know, those guys to overcome an 0-4 start 
and to um and to win five games speaks a lot of uh, speaks a lot about the um the character of those players and the coaches for sticking by them and and and, and maintaining you know an accountability you know, not letting them you know relax and and, and accepting defeat after an 0 and 4 start you know and and for for the coaches to be able to do that after a loss against Jacksonville State I mean Man, that's that's big time. That is big time. And, um, and like I said, you know, they they conceivably could have won a couple more games if they'd have had a couple of um, breaks go their way. If you know Jordan Travis hadn't got hurt, um, you know, if the referees didn't um, <laughs> didn't um, you know job us there against Clemson, there, who knows what could happen? Um, you know, so um, we'll see. Uh, but FSU has has an opportunity now. You see all of these different coaching changes. Miami can't even get an AD, much less a, a you know a head coach. Florida just hired um, Billy Napier, and you saw, or if you haven't, I've written about kind of a, a, a quick snapshot um, of what he brings to Florida. Um, so you can check that out on um, ChopChat.com. You know, um, you know. So he's not someone that really scares me. Um, you know, so you know we'll we'll see how that goes. A lot of that's going to depend on who he ultimately hires. Um, you know, Lincoln Riley going to USC. Um, there's rumors of Brent Venables, you know, possibly replacing him at Oklahoma. Man, there's a lot of things in play that could shake in FSU's favor if you know if that happens. You know, Venables leaves Clemson. You know, you know that's huge. You know, we've been we've been praying for him to leave forever. And, um, you know, that would kind of open things up because Clemson's had a lot of stability and continuity um, with Venable's been there almost 10 years or over 10 years with, with um, Sweeney. And so to finally, you know, I think that's kind of that would kind of be a, a chink in the armor, so to speak. You know, they, they've already kind of, you know, slipped a little bit, not defensively, but just kind of overall. You kind of saw them offensively take a step back this year. And um, it, it would be interesting to see, you know, what Clemson would do if Venables wasn't there. And, um, you know, I feel like um, with the players that FSU could possibly bring in uh, in the 2022 class coupled with um, players that they could get from the transfer portal, the transfer portal is jumping. Oh, my goodness. It is ridiculous the number of players that are jumping in the portal. I mean, and I'm talking about good players like um, Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech. Whew, man, he is a guy that I wanted – out of high school, and um, the crazy thing is FSU did not offer Jameer Gibbs while Willa Taggart was head coach, which is which is crazy. And, um, you know, Jameer Gibbs didn't get a, an FSU offer until Mike Novell was hired. Um, Novell was hired on, like, December 7th or something like that, and uh, I think Jameer Gibbs got an offer on December 16th, you know, and ultimately he, do, he went to, um, to Georgia Tech. Um, but somebody like Jameer Gibbs, you know, if they can get, you know, uh, like I said, a quarterback. And these transfer portal players, these are these are players that FSU cannot afford to miss on. You know, they've had a pretty decent hit rate, rate hit rate um, since Novell and them took over. I mean, you got a lot of players on your love it: Jermaine Johnson, Kier Thomas, you know, Jamie Robinson, uh, Devontae Love Taylor, Dylan Gibbons. Um, even um, you know, um, McClellan has been decent, and I'm probably probably missing somebody off the top of my head, but they've had a decent track record of getting players from the portal that you know that can play, 
in, in so now they have more of a proof of concept um, with players from the transfer portal achieving success at FSU. So I think that should increase their probability of of, of you know hitting on more players. You know, so if they can do that, um, you know, I think I think um, FSU, you know, will be able to close the gap. Um, you know, on on some teams that have been ahead of them um, recently. You know, one of the things I talked about with FSU this year was, you know, they had they had talent. You know, again as starters, but whenever whenever the um, the starters went out, there was a you know pretty significant drop off. You know, and so what that forced FSU to do is, you know, they had to play almost perfect games, meaning, you know, they can't afford one or two turnovers in a game. They couldn't afford, you know, a, a game with nine or ten penalties for, you know, 100 yards because they did not have the talent to overcome, you know, those issues. You just saw it against Notre Dame. They, they had, you know, Jordan Travis threw three interceptions. All of those interceptions resulted in touchdowns for – Notre Dame, that's 21 points off of turnovers. FSU lost by three, right? When you look at, um, you know, Wake Forest, you know, FSU had six turnovers. You're not going to beat anybody with six turnovers. You know, so um, being able to being able to have, you know, better players is going to, create a greater margin a greater margin of error um, you know when you have better players you can kind of overcome you know those issues and, and not have to play such a perfect game just to beat an average to good team um, you know when you look at the UNC game FSU had no turnovers they had like and off the top of my head I think it was something like five penalties right and they won 35-25 you know, and it, was, it really wasn't that close I mean Carolina scored a touchdown kind of late in garbage time, but still, 35 to 25 on the road. You know, so against Boston College, you you saw them, you know, well, that's probably not a good example because the referees were got awful in that game. Um, but say against Syracuse, Syracuse, you know, they um, <clears throat> they had two turnovers and they were able to overcome it even though Syracuse had a quarterback that didn't have really any experience and couldn't throw the ball. They won, you know, on a last second field goal, 33-30. You know, so there's a there's a, a clear need for talent infusion. Anybody that 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 says different is is crazy. Yes, yes, you know, we we probably should have won more games. But at the end of the day, if you had better players, you know, those close games are blowouts for FSU. You know, there's no there's no chance that you could lose those games. Well, I mean, you could lose them, but the probability of you losing those games against average, you know, average teams are uh, much smaller than if you had better players. You know, so um, FSU, FSU is in a great position right now. They just need to finish strong with this 2022 class. You know, go into the off season. You know, hit hit the um, the weight room hard. You know, guys got to get bigger, stronger, faster. And, um, you know, I, when you look at this past year, you know, other than the Florida game, that was kind of the only game to where it felt like to me that FSU might have got bullied a little bit. And, and some of that could have been, you know, injuries, injuries on the offensive line and things like that. But um, 
like whenever whenever their defenders hit our like running backs and things like that, it, it just felt like you know, it felt like our guys just got stopped dead in their tracks. And you know, and our guys, you know, they were trying to lay the wood out there. I mean, you know, we we we, we had our share of hits too, but it felt like that was a game where you know we kind of got bullied a little bit. But overall, you know, you can't you can't look at FSU and say, oh man, they're soft or they're not physical. I mean, there were some games this year where the, man. And the defense was laying a wood out there, and there we hadn't seen that in a long time. You know, I mean, we saw, you know, we saw, um, you know, Treshawn Ward, you know, break tackles against UNC um, on that one play. Um, you know, we saw um, Jayshon Corbin break multiple tackles on several runs this year. You know, so we saw better blocking from the wide receivers on the perimeter um, to spring some of those runs. Um, you know, so. You know, things are heading in the right direction. I, I feel I feel good about the um, strength and conditioning program with um, Coach, Coach Storms. You know, they just got to continue to get better players in here and um, continue to um, mold this team in in the in the um, in the vision that they have set. Um, you know, it's built for playmakers, right? The offense is built for playmakers. Um, the defense is built for playmakers. You know, just like this podcast. You know, but you got to have the players out there that can that can make those plays. And so whenever they have that, you know, I think, man, it, it could get it could get spooky in Tallahassee if they're able to uh, continue to bring in, um, you know, high-end talent. But um, that's all I have, you know. Uh, I just want to kind of give an overview, um, you know, of the season, you know, just some overall thoughts. Um, I appreciate you guys um, supporting the podcast. Um, we're like three or four followers away, uh, followers away from 300 on Twitter. So, um Tell your friends to um, to check us out. We'll be doing um, you know podcasts, even though the season's over. You know we'll be doing podcasts, um, talking about different topics. We'll we'll probably touch on basketball. I know they play Purdue. Um, I think it's uh, tomorrow night. Um, don't expect to win that one. Um, I think we got a couple guys out. Um, even as they were playing, I doubt we'll probably win. But um, the basketball team is is a team that probably uh, or should continue to develop, you know, Hamilton, Leonard Hamilton is still working on finding the right combination, um, finding the right chemistry. Um, bunch of, young, you know, new guys, young players out there trying to figure out, figure it all out. So I think, you know, we'll have some ups and downs, but they'll, they'll be a, a, a good team towards the end of the year when it really matters. Um, but we'll be talking about, you know, baseball, you know, I'm a former baseball player. So we'll be testing on baseball as we um, round into um, January, February, whenever that season begins to take off also. Um, so um, stay tuned. Um, make sure you go to um, subscribe, download, um, give us, you know, give me five stars. You know, I definitely appreciate you guys rocking with me. And um, if you have any suggestions for the um, the podcast, you know, shoot them to me. Uh, you can hit me in the DM. Um, and um, we look forward to um, talking to you guys soon. Hopefully um, we'll be having a podcast talking about all of the um, four and five stars we signed um, with early signing period coming up. Go Nose. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.